like you to turn with me tonight to a scripture. And by the way, Brother Nicholas, we're going to show this several times. So keep it kind of on a special link because we're going to go back to this many times. And that's Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6. I'm going to build my thoughts tonight around Philippians 1 and verse 6. And the message that I have tonight, I trust will be a message of encouragement to you, uh, whatever you might be going through. Philippians 1 and verse 6. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm reading from Old King James. This is uh, uh, New King James or something else. Let's, you have it there. We have it up here. Would you read it together with me off the screen right now? One, two, three. Being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. And then if we can just read, flipping over the page, to Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13. There's just one little verse there I want to read also. For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So, God is always at work. Somebody has said, God never makes mistakes. He allows divine arrangements. Now, we don't like the arrangements, but God is always at work. Somebody has said, there is never an accident with God, but that God has divine patterns and plans for many of the details of our life. And the God who formed us even arranges some of the difficulties in our lives for his purposes. First Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 3 is a very interesting scripture. He was talking about suffering. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, Paul says to the Thessalonians who were suffering for their faith that no one should be moved by these afflictions. For you know that we are appointed to this task. And the old King James says, we are pointed onto this. So there are some difficulties that have been divinely appointed that we must go through. We don't like them, but God has a plan. 1 Peter 1, verses 6, uh, no, verse 7 and 8 says that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love, in whom, though now you see him not yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable. First Peter chapter 4 and verse 12, Apostle Paul was also talking about trials and licked Look at what he says. Beloved, 
Don't be astonished at the fiery trial which has come upon you to test you as though a strange thing is happened unto you. How many times we would say, but this is so strange. Why is this happening to me? How come I've got this problem? How come my child was hit with the car? How come my wife uh, or husband lost their job? How come this situation has happened in our home? How come these circumstances are coming to the church? Why do these things happen? But Paul, Peter said, don't be surprised. Don't be astonished at the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing. <laughs> it's so bizarre. What is happening to me? He said, don't think it's bizarre. There are going to be troubles. It's going to happen. If you haven't had any yet, they're coming soon. Maybe tomorrow. <laughs> Maybe tonight. So there's going to be problems. There's going to be difficulties. There's going to be heartaches. There's going to be tears. There's going to be questions. There's going to be confusion. And as soon as we recognize the pattern of this in these scriptures that says, don't be astonished by the fiery trial, which is to try you. It's going to happen. Don't be shocked. Don't be dismayed. Don't lose hope. Don't panic. Don't give up. In a, don't fall in a heap. This stuff will happen. But what I want to talk to you about, though, is that there are some great lessons that we can learn. And I want to give you three great lessons regarding the difficulties that you may go through in life. Three great lessons. When we look back at Philippians 1 and verse 6, God gives us in the middle of these trials and temptations this powerful promise. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it. That's Philippians 1.6. Remember, we're going to refer to it again and again tonight. He that has begun something in you. How many of you, you believe God has begun something in you? Let me see your hand. Hold your hand up. God has begun a change in your life. God has begun stuff in your life. I want to assure you of this promise. If God, the awesome Redeemer of whom we sang tonight, has begun something in you, this scripture, he who has begun it, will complete it, will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. God is going to finish what he's begun. And so in the light of this promise, and your problem, I want to give you three points, three great lessons that can bring hope to our hearts in spite
spite of the problems. Number one, because of this promise, the first great lesson I can take away is failure is not final. Would you say that with me? This is going to be kind of a Bible class. Failure is not final. Say it again with real punch. Failure is not final. It doesn't have to be final. How can I say that? Because this scripture says he is completing what he begun. As I got looking at these three points, I realized there's a tremendous example in the life of Moses that we can apply to these three points. It is very easy for those of us who know the Word of God to divide the life of Moses into three parts, each of 40 years. The first 40 years when he was in Pharaoh's Pharaoh's, uh, court. The second 40 years when he was in the desert uh, looking after sheep. And the third 40 years when he was leading the children of Israel. But as we look at Moses in the first 40 years, raised in Pharaoh's court, the most eligible bachelor in the whole land of Egypt. Some say actually he became a general in Pharaoh's army and all kinds of traditional history says stuff. But now Moses learns he is an Israelite. And so he sees the suffering of these people, and he knows that they are his people. And I believe that already within his heart, there is this awareness that God has put something upon him to lead these people, to help these people. There is this profound desire that has been placed in his heart. And so he goes out and he sees their suffering and he does stuff to try to alleviate, to try to help, to try to intervene. And then he ends up murdering a man. And then all of his dreams are absolutely shattered as he has to run for his life into the desert. And Moses enters into this horrible pit of failure. Failure. I wanted so much to help my people. I believe that's what God wants me to do, to help my people. I tried. I gave it my best shot. But I killed that guy, and now everything has gone upside down. I am a failure. Every person in this room has heard that screaming demon sitting on your shoulder, screeching in your ear, saying, you're a failure. You're a failure as a mother. You're a failure as a father. You're a failure in your home. You're a failure in your ch- with your children. You're a failure in your Christian testimony. You're a failure. You, you tried and you failed. You couldn't handle the money. You couldn't handle the the situation. Look, you're a failure. 
And so the devil screeches at you. You have failed. You have failed in your uh, family life. You have failed as a Christian. You're a failure. Like, what's the point? How many have heard that voice? I want you to hold your hand up. I want you to hold it up. I want to see it. Thank you. We all have. Everyone here. And I can imagine as Moses sits in the desert or runs through the desert, this this torment over his mind. I have failed. Same thing as when Peter, standing at the fire, caught off guard, listening to the people mocking Jesus. Somebody says, you're one of his disciples. He said, no, no, I don't even know the guy. Another, no, I don't know him. And then he began to curse and to swear. And I don't know him three times in a row. And then the cock crew. The sense of failure. I failed him. The Bible says he went out and he wept bitterly. Many of us have also, have also soaked our pillows with the tears because of our failure. I failed. And the devil plays on it and multiplies the self-pity and turns it into a real, big, horrible chain that can lead us down into a place of a pit of despair and depression. But because of this scripture, Failure can never, need never be final. Because of this promise, failure need never be final. Because God said, I have begun a good work in you. And I will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Failures will happen. But failure should be our teacher, not our undertaker. Failure can be a temporary detour, not a dead end. The biggest failure is if we refuse to face it and to get up again. Don't use your failure as an excuse to sit in the muck. Use it rather to say, I've had it with this. I am going to come out of this muck. Sit placidly by. Everything's gone wrong. Somebody will help me out. No, no. You determine in your heart that what God has begun in you let him complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Failure can be a challenge that causes us to be lifted into a brand new dimension. Being confident of this very thing, he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ.
Philippians 3, 13 and 14. All, honestly, this is one of my favorite scriptures in the whole Bible. I love Philippians 3, 13 and 14, which is just two pages beyond the promise we read. Brothers, Paul said, I don't regard myself as yet having taken hold or arrived. But one thing I do, forgetting the things which are behind and stretching forward to the things which are before, I refuse to remain a victim of my failures and stupidities, stretching for the things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul said, I stretch forward, I reach forward. Put your failures under the blood of Jesus and get moving forward. Amen? Failure does not have to be final because of this promise. Number two, the second great lesson I find in this promise, uh, or the promise that we had before, uh, Philippians 1, 6. Delays are not defeats. That's the great lesson we can take away from Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this very thing that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Failure is not final, and delays are not defeats. I want you to say that with me. Delays are not defeats. Say it again. Delays are not defeats. Moses now found himself in the desert feeding sheep for 40 years. Following these sheep, looking after sheep. He was kind of glad of it. It gave him some money. He ended up with a wife and kids and and he was there accomplishing something with his life. This highly educated, intelligent, uh, uh, elegant uh, Egyptian is now in the desert feeding sheep for 40 years. I believe that many times in the night he would be awakened, maybe the snapping of a twig. And suddenly he would start awake and he would remember seeing the whip snap across the backs of his people as they forced them in slavery. He would hear their screams. He would know their suffering. He wanted to go. He wanted to do something. He had the talent. He had the ability. He wanted to do something. But he was trapped, so to speak, in a corner, in a place of delay. He just, he couldn't do a thing. Sort of like us under COVID. For me, anyway, man alive. I have traveled for 41 years. 41 years. 
out of a suitcase. 41 years I lived out of a suitcase. I started when I was two. But nevertheless, uh, right, uh, 41 years. And then with COVID, I had to get home and uh, with very little, limited uh, traveling uh, locally, of course, busy as much as I could be. But sometimes, especially at first, I felt so stuck. I want to go. I want to go. Uh, there's things and places to go. Well, God did give me a great peace and the ability to settle down. But, uh, I mean, to, to accomplish something for the Lord there where I was. But there was still this, it, it was a radical life change for me. And, but I was stuck, just stuck in Saskatchewan, <laughs> of all places, no way. But Moses, he knew he wanted to do something for his people. He knew enough of the promises of God. He, he, he knew, I want to get out here and help him. But I can't. I just have to sit here. Some of you might be stuck. Stuck at your job. There's more. I know there's more, but I'm stuck in this dump. None of you have ever said that. How many have ever said something like that? Yeah. <laughs> or at your job, or or in your circumstance. I I just I I want to move forward. I want to I want change, but I'm stuck. I, I don't know how, I don't know what to do, I don't know where to go, I'm stuck. Let me see again, how many of you have had that sense of being stuck? Maybe not at a job, but something or other, you're just stuck. You, you, wanna, you know there's something to do, but you just, you don't know what to do, and you don't know how to do it, and, and you don't know when to move forward, so you feel stuck, and the frustration of being stuck, I believe, was something that haunted Moses. I really believe because the hand of God had been upon him from his birth with a desire to help his people. But now he was stuck in delay. You know, delay is not defeat. In our instant society, we are not taught patience. And any delay, it is easy for us to jump to the conclusion that this is a defeat. I tried. Didn't work. I'm defeated because I can't move forward. And we, as God's people, have great difficulty with delays. We can see that, I'll just quote Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 4. Apostle Peter was talking about the Lord's return, and he said, and there in those days there would be some saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were. Yeah, Jesus is coming back. Whoa, Right, people have said that for 2,000 years. Like, don't get too excited. I actually had a pastor tell me that a couple of years, a few years ago. You know, don't get too excited about some of the stuff you see. People have seen that for 
Well, if he said it was the last days in the book of Acts, we're even closer to the end of the last days now. Too often we equate delay with defeat when the reality is the delay is the best thing that could happen to us. How many have ever prayed for a certain thing and it didn't happen and you look back later and say, God didn't answer that prayer. How many have ever had that adventure? You prayed and it didn't happen. <laughs> Whoopie-doo. I can think of a few times. <laughs> Just us here tonight, so I'll tell you. I was almost married once. <laughs> you know about the guy that almost caught a fish? <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I was almost married once. He was a handsome fellow. I was even at Velma. Do you remember when I got the dozen roses? Corey thought I was insane. But anyway, uh, uh, anyway, I mean, it looked so good. It seemed so good, but in my heart, I knew it wasn't God's will. And just to make a long story short, uh, God supernaturally, sovereignly, uh, uh, there was a, a, a prophetess that very clearly came described she described him to me i was in a bit of a pickle and she came up and she said yes it's about this young man and you know it is not god's will and then she commenced to describe his appearance like she was watching him on video she had my attention and then she said this is not god's will and she said i see a giant t the letter t you know what the letter t is she said, he's standing at the crossroads of that T. And on the one side is the pile, the city dump. And on the other side of the T is a graveyard. She said, he's standing at the crossroads of the T. You keep going the way you're going. You keep aiming toward him, you will marry him. But when you do, the anointing of God will lift off your life. Your ministry will end up like a pile of junk and you will die a young and unhappy woman. Nearly. She had my attention really good and I could hardly wait to finish that. And then I saw him a couple years later. <laughs> and I hung myself with glee. I have no idea how tall, dark, and handsome turned into short, round, and wrinkled. <laughs> ah, stuff happened. Nothing against short, round, and wrinkled, but... <laughs> you know what? Delay is sometimes the best thing that can happen. Two things happen in delay. Number one, it clarifies our vision. It defines your vision. Listen to this very carefully. Time is the best friend of truth. Listen to this. Time is the worst enemy of a double-minded man. Give somebody enough time, and you find out what they really are. 
Look at somebody. Make sure they're awake. <laughs> you can punch them if they're not. Gently. Folks, delay is so important to clarify our vision. And number two, delay is so important. It, it gives us an opportunity to prepare for what God really has. It wasn't raining when Noah built the ark. The delay, this 120 years or whatever it was, was so important to prepare that ark. And the delay that you're stuck in could be God divinely purifying your vision, clarifying your direction, and also giving you an opportunity to prepare for his answer. Is anybody getting anything? You're all so quiet. It, nod your head or jerk or something. Everybody here? Delay is not defeat. It's a time to clarify your vision and prepare. Listen to Hebrews chapter 10 and verses 35 to 37. Hebrews 10, 35. Look what it says. Therefore, don't throw away your boldness. The old uh, says confidence, which has a great reward. For you need endurance, so that having done the will of God, you may receive the promise. In a very little while, he who comes will come and will not wait. My friends, delay is not defeat, because God has a big picture and a big plan. If you are stuck in a delay, it is not the time to crash in defeat because delay does not equal defeat. The promise of Philippians 1.6, being confident of, confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. That promise tells you that your delays are not the end. It's not defeat. God is at work in your life. For 40 years, Moses sat in delay. Frustration of delay, maybe even tempted to settle into a complacency because of the delay. But then we see the third great lesson I want to give you tonight. I said, first of all, failure is not final. What did I say? Let's say with a little more action here. One, two, three. Failure is not final. Second, I said. Delay is not defeat. Let's say it. And the third point that I want you to see, the third lesson that we can learn, can I say, the third application, whatever you want to describe that, for this verse is this. 
from this scripture, I can see pressures are not permanent. Say that with me. Pressures are not permanent. Sometimes they seem permanent, but in truth, they are only transitory and temporary. Somebody said a good test of your memory is try to remember what you were most anxious about one year ago. It's hard for us to do. I know COVID kind of covered two and a half years, but I mean, besides the point, the, 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 the pressures, the things that were really pressing you, those things that were just so stressing you, they are not permanent. Moses was leading now the children of Israel across the desert. The last 40 years of his life, he had about two, two and a half million people leading them across the wilderness toward the promised land. 40 years with two million belly aches. You think it's rough with your family. Ah, can you imagine two million of them? I mean, really? Leading them? It's just like, sort of like the, I don't know, the city of Toronto wandering around the wilderness of Saskatchewan for 40 years. Sort of like that. Sort of like that. Two million people wandering in the desert for 40 years, complaining at every turn. And Moses was the key man. Actually, he was the only one leading until finally they set, they set captains over hundreds and thousands and whatnot. But that morning to night, people would come and line up at his tent asking questions and, and telling the story. My wife burnt the potatoes and I want to get rid of her. <laughs> and stuff like that. He, put, he killed my ox. She, 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 she took all my money. You know, whatever. You know, all of these complaints. Forty years. Talk about pressure. Talk about stress. We think it's difficult with two people in the office or poor people, and yet this kind of stress as he was leading these people, and yet God was with him to bring him to a point where actually by the end of his life, he was begging God, he asked God, please let me keep this pressure just a few more days. Your grace has been sufficient for me. Please let me take them into the promised land. God said, no, you can't. But nevertheless, he had come to such a place in recognizing the provision of God for him. What God has started, he will finish. What God has started in your life, he's not going to give up on. He will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Folks, I believe we can take this for a promise for ourselves. He's not giving up on me. 
I can cling to his promise. He's going to take me through. The pressures in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 8, Apostle Paul was describing a crisis in his life in which he was in uh, the Asia and he, he, he was describing what he went through. For we don't desire to have you uninformed, brothers, concerning our affliction which happened to us in Asia, that we were weighed down exceedingly beyond our power so much that we despaired even of life. The old King James, I, I like it a little better. It says, we were pressed out of strength, ab above strength, out of measure. Paul said we were under so much duress and so much stress. We despaired. Paul said we despaired even of life. We thought that we were going to die. The stress and the pressure was so intense. How many can relate? Maybe not to die, but, you know, you would if you could. <laughs> Dying might not be a bad idea right now. The earth would just open and Jesus would come and be great. That's what Paul was saying. We were under so much pressure. We were so stressed above strength in so much that we despair. In this moment of incredible pressure, he went on and he said, but God brought us through. And now what we have learned from this, we're able to comfort you. Because God brought us through. The pressures are not permanent. That verse in the Bible that says, in that phrase several times, that says, and it came to pass. Thank God it didn't come to stay. It came to pass. When you look back, you know, sometimes we are such creatures of the present. We don't really, we're not really aware of the changes that are happening in our lives. And so sometimes we're tempted to think, well, it's not much is happening. But when you can meet someone you haven't seen for some time and, and they say, wow, wow, what a change has happened. Wow, what, what good things have been transformed in your life. Velma told me the most encouraging words at Christmas time. <laughs> she said this little phrase to me. She said, you were nasty when I was young. You were nasty. But God has done a good work in you. <laughs> she knows I was. I was nasty. I had a tongue that wouldn't quit. Uh, but you know what? God has done good work because of this promise. And for you, too. Sometimes you can actually see it in yourself. How many of you can, you look back and you can see there's been some changes. Let me see him. Good. There's been some changes. Ask your wife, your husband, have I changed? Be honest. <laughs> For the good. Because 
this promise back there, Philippians 1, 6, he which hath begun a good work will complete it or perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. These pressures that you're going through will soon dissipate and be gone. You will find there is a, there's a new set of problems. <laughs> there's new situations. Because we have a promise that God has started something. He's going to finish what he has begun. The internal resources of God are greater than the external. I met a lady some time ago, and she told me some of the horrific things that she had gone through. The loss of her husband and the loss of her children, a couple of children, and then other tragedies that had happened. Incredible, incredible heartbreak. She came from a very difficult situation to begin with. But she had found the Lord, and the Lord had done something so powerful and so wonderful in her life to sustain her and to carry her through these things. And God had brought her through. My friends, God is at work to bring you the pressures that you think are going to destroy you. God is working to bring you through. God will finish. God will finish. The old King James, finished. But here it says completed. It means God will complete it. He will, he, will, he will fulfill it. He will finish what he began in creating you and working in you. He wants to finish what he has begun in you. In Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11, Jeremiah the prophet said these amazing words. For I know the thoughts I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. The NIV says to give you hope and a future. To give you hope and a future. What God has started in us means that I whether I live or whether I die. I have hope and a future forever. Eternally. I have hope and a future. He has begun something and he's not going to stop until he has completed his work within your heart. Oh, I'm finishing with just another scripture that I want to read myself here. It's in 1 Peter. This spoke to me one day. 1 Peter chapter 1. And it says in verse 5, Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed. God wants to keep us by his power. Are you stuck in delays? Delays are not defeats. Do you feel overwhelmed and in despair because of the pressure? 
pressures are not permanent. We have a promise that says, for the work of Philippians 1, 6 again. Sorry, you're doing a great job flipping back and forth. Let's read this again out loud. Being confident this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Take heart, good friends. Be of good courage, dear friends. God has begun and he will finish. Why don't we just all stand up? I don't know about you, but it's hot in here. Let's all stand up. And, and here's what we're going to do. You know what? It's just us tonight. Just this little group. Why don't we all just come and stand? And if you turn this fan on full top speed, everybody will be encouraged to hang out up here. Let's just all come and just stand up here real close. Everybody, everybody, just let's just come and stand up here across the front and take heart. I'm speaking these words to encourage you. Maybe, Kelly, would you be able to play a little tune for me? You know, let's just come and, and, and stand up here close. I'm not going to keep you, but another five minutes. We're just going to bless and encourage you and pray for one another and to take heart. How many it's the failure thing that, boy, I feel like a failure. Yeah. How many it's the delay? You feel stuck. Well, you just are everything. <laughs> How about you feel stuck right now, just stuck? Yeah, how many feel stuck? You're just stuck. How many of you, it's, you're under a lot of pressure? How many of you are under a lot of pressure right now? A lot of pressure. A lot of pressure. You know what? I hope that these words will remind you of the promise. Just keep that up there. We're going to say it once more. What is it that is your failure? What is it that is your delay? What is it that is the pressure? Think of that as we read this scripture once more out loud. Being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day 